Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. What we're trying to do with Sheltful, both in what a shelper does and some of what we teach in terms of kind of habit <laughs> formation is that the small version counts that you can, you can do a small amount and feel good about it and celebrate tiny wins. And that is progress. Three, two, one. My name is Spree Devora, host of the women in tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I am Mike Veldhuis, business owner of the Dutch IT company Nalta and podcaster from the Netherlands. I just love the Women in Tech podcast by the talented Esprit Devora. It's made with passion and creativity. It gives insight into the world of inspirational women from all around the globe. But most of all, it's fun to listen to. Esprit Devora truly is the girl who gets it done. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech from around the world. My name is Angie Carrillo. I'm your guest host for this episode. With me today is Sharon Pope from Shelfpool. Welcome, Sharon, to the Women in Tech podcast. Yay! Thank you, Angie. So happy to be here. Yeah, so happy to have you. So for the people that don't know you and don't know the great work that you're doing with Shelfpool... I'm so happy that I got to try it this year. So I'm actually a little bit more familiar, but will you mind telling everyone that is listening, what is Sharon doing with Shopful and how can you all help us be become better human beings? <laughs> oh gosh, I, I hope that helps a little bit with that. So Shopful, which rhymes with helpful, uh, is an instant accountability buddy service. So we... You sign up, we pair you with a real human person who becomes essentially your kind of accountability buddy, but I mean, more so like a hype person in your pocket. Um, They text with you throughout the day and hold you to whatever's important to you, whether it be tasks that you keep putting off or habits, routines that you're trying to stick to. They'll nudge you to do them. They'll follow up and ask if you did it. They'll strategize with you if you kind of need to come up with a plan B. Um, So it ends up helping you get more done. But ultimately helps you feel better about yourself for getting stuff done that you wanted to. So I think my my main thing I was solving was my own problem. I just kept dropping my own stuff off my to-do list, right? Like the stuff for me, like exercising, drinking water, getting outside, um, making dentist appointments. So those things not falling off your list can make you feel better and can, I feel like, improve your life. I just had to sip a little bit of water because, you know, how many times? <laughs> how many times do we fall off the wagon with our own stuff, right? Like, I think as women, we usually like to take care of other people. Uh, the company comes first, the startup comes first, the tech comes first. But what about us, right? Like as human beings, and you're saying like 
So true. Like sometimes we have goals and dreams and, and things that we put, but then we delay them, right? And and even something as silly as drinking two liters of water, right? Like that's where the habits come in. So I'm so excited to geek around about habits, about, you know, like tiny habits, about atomic habits, you know, like and all these different um yeah, movements that have gone, you know, like up in the world and and talk about productivity from a very different point of view because what I, when I hear about your description of Shelfful, about the difference between other productivity apps that are out there, right? Is how can you be more mindful of a productivity, but without that guilt, right? So I wanted to t- tell us a little bit more about you know how the idea of Shelfful came along, what personally you know like how you work and the way that you work affected on why you wanted to create this something new, right? Like, um, I think it's really interesting because I was recording another episode that you can hear probably um, in the Women in Tech podcast with Diana Iruegas about her work day, right? And and we were talking about how the nine to five usually is made for men, not necessarily for women. So I wanted to 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 talk to you about all this, you know, like so let's start from the beginning. Yeah. Let's start from the beginning. What what drove you to to start Shellful? Yeah, I I actually never I never necessarily set out to make to be a startup founder or to start my own startup. I've worked in startups for my whole career. So I've worked in tech since I graduated from college. I started in San Francisco working at agencies, ended up at a startup. Um, and I have, I always had high output at work, right? So that was kind of a superpower of mine. I would do, do everything at work and kind of leave it all on the floor at work. But when it came to my own self-care, I kind of felt like a failure. And that was a trend that really has, has, been present my entire adult life. And it makes you feel like crap. I think I just felt like I wasn't good at that stuff. And I would really question how I could get big things done at work and not be able to do little things for myself. And there are things like we already mentioned, like little self-care things or feeling like, wow, I've had this issue for a long time. Why haven't I made a doctor's appointment for that? Like, how could I not do that? Um, So I think that I showed up for everyone else, but I wasn't showing up for myself. And I, I struggled with that for years and years and years. And finally, so I was at, had just had my second kid. So this was um, in, he was born in 2020 at the end of 2020. So coming out of COVID, two kids, still working my butt off. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd just gone back to after a short maternity leave to my job at a startup. And I just had that same crushing feeling that I'd felt kind of that I always call it this like 10 PM feeling where you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like brushing your teeth and you're thinking of all the things that you didn't get done that day. And all the things were me things. Like I was still wearing workout clothes that I'd put on that morning, but never actually worked out. And then just was wearing them all day, working from home, not having done anything for myself. And so you bring up this kind of nine to five concept. And I think that's, it's true. I think that that concept 
it doesn't include all the stuff that you, that I did that day for my two kids that I did that day. I mean, I was like, I was still nursing. So I was pumping. I was, you know, I did things for my dog. I did things for my husband, but I didn't even do five minutes of exercise for myself. I didn't even leave the house or get sunshine that day in my eyes. And it just felt like crap. And so I, I had this feeling of if I only had somebody else to give a crap about me getting a small thing done for myself, then maybe my day would have gone better today. And that was kind of the core idea was that if I could get a, a bunch of really empathetic, wonderful, strategic, skilled note takers, great at following up. And we all have friends like this. We all know this person, right? This person who's like following up with you, like, Hey, did you end up doing that for yourself? Or, Hey, you know, I want to just check in on how that job interview went, right? That person exists. We know this person exists, but if I could find a bunch of them and have pair them with people like me who needed just the feeling of more support and someone to kind of just check in with me throughout the day. So I wasn't dropping myself off my own list then maybe we could have something really special. So yeah, that was kind of the initial idea. I'll pause (laughs) um, for a second, but that's kind of where it came from. And that's funny because um, I don't know what's the line, right? Like, I I mean, not everybody can hire a personal assistant that, you know, is is running after your personal thing as well, right? And so I think this shelfful was um, a really good service to, you know, like, allow more people to have like a personal support without going to do the expense of having a personal assistant. Right. And, and it's funny because I think helpful people, right. Like there's, um, you know, these types of personalities and stuff, um, the helper, I'm that person for my friends. Right. Like, but when it comes to your own things, it's nice to have that that other person that bounce back, right? Like, uh, because I am that annoying, annoying friend that <laughs> I text my my best friend saying, like, have you worked out today? Right? Like, <laughs> I'm that annoying friend, but um not for everybody, right? Like, um, but also like I wouldn't do that with everybody, also. Like, it's just I don't have that that level of of trust. So it's much better to design that that someone else right has your back in a more structured way yeah and that and that you it's kind it is kind of a one-way thing people get to know their shelpers we call them shelpers these these people who are um supporting you they, you get to know them pretty well but you're not having to ask about their workout you it's really it really is one way it's all about you which there's something comforting about that that in these dynamics sometimes it's hard it's hard to even though your friend knows that you are that type of person she probably still wants to her in nature would want to respect your boundaries and not ask you to do it she might feel good when you do it but she's not going to say like hey angie at 9 a.m every day will you check in with me if i did my workout or not and if i didn't will you come up with a backup plan with me um and you mentioned personal assistant which i think is a really good it's, it's a helpful reference point and I've actually, because I've been an executive in tech, I've had, I've had a uh, executive assistants, right? So they weren't, they worked with me at work, not um, on a personal side, but, and that was huge. I mean, that was an amazing thing to have and very helpful for me at the time. You know, it's out of their remit to do personal things for you or to kind of stop in with a water bottle usually. But I think for me, the personal assistant side of things, sometimes it just feels like it would take too much energy to 
teach somebody else how to make my doctor appointment and to give them all the stuff they need for my doctor appointment, it's actually faster for me to make the doctor appointment because I only have to do it a couple times a year in theory. So the training involved and the mental block to try to get somebody to do something else for you is harder sometimes than you doing it yourself, but somebody to make you do it yourself, that to me had had a, an interesting value. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's why sometimes, you know, like it, it's much better to do not delegate certain things that, oh, you know, like they will need this access to this personal information or sensitive information sometimes um, that, that could be quite um, confidential, right? Like, so that's so interesting. So what else does a shelf shelf per <laughs> does uh, for you? Because um, I know it's free, uh, use them for tracking a few habits that she was developing. And I, I personally use the shelf first for uh, certain things that we needed to do in order to create a podcast or to become a podcaster, right? So getting into the habit of, you know, like of an, any new thing, right? Like, is that something that the shelpers also help you with? Or I don't know, tell us a little bit more about what, what the shelpers help with. At Shelpful, we have our core service, our most popular service is this one-on-one Shelpful, which Esprit is a customer of. I know she's said on the podcast before. Um, and that's kind of working one-on-one with a shelper. And you usually come in, we, we kind of pin you down when you sign up. We have you fill out this kind of matching survey to get you with the best shelper. And we pin you down on three, up to three areas where you need support. And those, we give examples, but people can write anything in. So some of the more popular ones are like working on a side hustle. Like you mentioned, somebody wants to be a podcaster. They want to become a musician and they want to make sure they're carving out time each day each week to work toward those goals. Um, they want to find a new career. So, you know, switching jobs, interviewing for jobs, looking for jobs. That's another key thing that people want that accountability and support with to be able to design a habit to tackle that a little bit each day. Tidying and organizing is another one. And then things that you would definitely guess like health related ones, right? Eating nutritious foods, being more mindful while eating, exercising, things like that. Examples of habits would include Um, side hustles, people trying to get something done, like starting a podcast or like launching their own website, things like career search, right? People wanting to find a new job or expand their role at their job. Working on things health-related would be obvious ones that you might guess. So eating nutritious foods, being more mindful while eating, exercising, um, and even like tidying, cleaning, those types of habits that people want to, you know, make sure they're not pushing off to the end of the week, trying to tackle a little bit each day. So Shelpers definitely will pin people down on a kind of a small version, like the smallest thing they can tackle. Then they'll um, help them set implementation intention, which we don't usually use that word with the member. It's more like the question, when do you want to do this? When can you do this? When can we make a plan to do this? And, you know, research shows that when you make a plan, you're a lot more likely to actually do it, right? But then you're not just making a plan and leaving it in the ether, your shelper will be following up with you at that time to say, okay, time to go to the gym. Okay, time to do your five-minute tidying session. And then you, if you don't respond, they'll follow up with you. Or if you say you can't do it right now, they'll help you set another time or kind of ping you later. So you have this person who is like a lifeline for the things that are important to you. And they're not just going to, if they get dropped, they don't just go into a black hole. They can get picked up again 
in partnership with somebody who cares and is not just kind of a drill sergeant saying, okay, this is the thing that needs to get done, that there are backup plans. Like if you can't do a full 30 minute workout, can you do like a one minute stretching session? Can you do something for you? Can you just step outside and take a breath of fresh air? Like these are the types of things that a shelper might suggest to you because it's really just about keeping, keeping you on your list and not, not dropping the, the initial intent, which is making time for yourself typically, or making time for something that's important to you. And this happens in a group setting too. So we have shelfful groups where we pair people together. So they have a shelper and they have, you know, three other members with them who are all working on the same thing. So they're all, they're all working on a side hustle. So they share every morning what their top three priorities are. And then through the day, as they're checking things off, let people know. Um, And the same thing happens, right? Strategizing when life gets in the way. So I think that's kind of the core, the core truth of what we're trying to support here is we can all make plans, but when life gets in the way, sometimes we can throw up our hands and turn our back on our best intentions and turn our back on the initial kind of drive behind that goal. And what we're trying to do with Sheltful, both in what a shelper does and some of what we teach in terms of kind of habit <laughs> formation is that the small version counts that you can, you can do a small amount and feel good about it and celebrate tiny wins. And that is progress. Yes. I, I think that ties into, you know, like how we can really achieve transformation, right? Like sometimes we feel that, oh, we need to turn the car 180 degrees and we go to an event or we have this rush of motivation of the end of the year, of the beginning of new era, of the beginning of new job or something that we say like, oh my God, we're gonna be a brand new human being, you know, in this season. But that's not how real change gets done, right? Like, because we can know how to do it. We can know the theories. We can know about atomic habits or tiny habits, or we can read the books, right? But then it, it doesn't leave the head. It doesn't move into the body, right? Like, because we don't embody this new human that exercises every day and drinks two liters of water, right? But it's those tiny little things, right? On the day-to-day. It's like, what's a bare minimum that you would, you know, cross it off your list? Like, do a checklist. Like, you know, like, just take it off your list. Like, what would be the minimum, right? Like, maybe it's a five-minute stretch, Today, I overdid myself, like I did two two classes, you know, like on the gym or something. So for, for the longest time, you know, like I think I, I've read a lot about these theories, about productivity, about habits and change. And I know, like personally, I know where are the things that you, but then you feel so silly implementing, you know, the tiniest little change. So. I want you to to tell us a little bit more about, you know, like you personally, you know, like what would what were some of the changes uh, that you have made and how, you know, having um, a cheerleader or shelfful in, in in a shelper, right? a shelper in this have helped you as a founder uh, creating habits that you wanted to to create or creating a new identity, right? Like, because there was a change, like from working 
at a tech startup to becoming a founder of your own tech startup, right? Um, so that identity change, right? Like comes with a little bit of habits, right? Like, um, so tell us about your own, own experience changing that. Because from my experience, I think it took it took a while, right? Like from reading the books to actually implementing. Yeah. So I think, Angie, what you're talking about is some of these books, Tiny Habits, Atomic Habits, and what they teach and how I think the core of, if you've read any of these books and or if you've even just heard of them, the core lesson, I would say, is to the willpower and motivation don't sustain us, right? So we hear about this a lot at, around the New Year's resolution time, but throughout the year, right, where people are setting big goals. And then in my experience personally, and having worked with hundreds of people on habits, it what happens is you set these big goals and then you feel like crap when you don't hit them. Um, and which leads you to drop them quickly, <laughs> which means that a lot of New Year's resolutions don't last past January, which means a lot of big goals don't last past the six weeks following them. So we actually have a workshop that we teach at Shelfful. We offer that to, to non-members and members. And um, and then all of our shelfers know, know this method as well. Um, but we follow the tiny habits method. And this is um, by Dr. BJ Fogg, who wrote the book, Tiny Habits. And we were actually trained by him. So after I felt started Shelfful, my my co-founder and I were just geeking out on habits um, and ended up going through a training with Dr. BJ Fogg and his sister, Linda Fogg Phillips, and um, really becoming big followers of this, this method, both personally and in, in what we teach our members. But really step-by-step, step, it's number one, you want to pick habits that you really, really want to do. So I'm not going to maybe pick drinking collagen because that's not really top of mind for me, but things that I really want to do, like I really love to read, but I fell off the habit of reading. So that was one thing I really worked to kind of bring back through this method because it was something that I got a lot of enjoyment out of um, and it helped my sleep. So I, I had a big drive to do it. Number two, we want to shrink that habit down to a tiny, 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 tiny level, which is what you're referencing, Angie, which is it almost feels hilariously embarrassingly small, right? So like when we're talking about tiny, if my habit, my desired habit is to read more, we genuinely recommend that you design a habit that is literally to open your book or to turn on your Kindle or to pick up your Kindle or to read one line of your book. And that's the whole habit. And the reason we do that is because the behavioral science backs it up. They, it actually helps your brain. Your, it's more, here, I'm gonna say that again. <laughs> The behavioral science backs it up that it helps you do the habit more likely because it's fast, because it's easy, and it really reduces the habit to a level of why the hell not. We want to lower the bar for success, and we want to keep it low. We can do extra credit. We can do more. Most nights, I'm probably actually going to read, but when I lower the bar for success, it allows me to feel successful about the smallest version, that I can actually just open my book, and I can say, wow, I did my habit. Good job. And that is what helps wire in the habit. That feeling of success helps wire in the habit because your brain wants to do things that make it feel good. That's how bad habits are formed too, right? This feels good. I'm going to do this more. We want to hack that reality of, of how our brain works to build neural pathways for the things we want to do. And the best way to do that is allowing ourselves to feel successful for doing them, which means setting the bar low. 
And then the fourth element is tying the habit to an existing habit. So for me in the reading, it's after my butt hits the bed, I will pick up my Kindle. So we're trying to use the way the brain works in behavioral science to actually construct a habit that doesn't depend on motivation and willpower. It depends on kind of tricking our brain to keep doing something because we allow ourselves to feel good about a hilariously tiny version of the actual habit. Yeah, I remember I took that uh, course with um, Dr. BJ Fogg um, when he had it like online years ago, like probably over 10 years ago, like like some something like 10 years ago. And his example was like, if you want to build the habit of flossing your teeth, floss one t- tooth, right? Like, I was like, that's, that's crazy. And I was like, and I used to, you know, like floss my one tooth, but I was like, I'm getting flaked, you know, out of this, like, this is, this is crazy. So I knew it for quite a long time, but I still, you know, like don't have that uh, full habit, automated habit in, in myself, right? Like, and I feel during the pandemic also, like a lot of people lost some of their habits because their work life was a little bit disrupted you know like you didn't yeah you're you didn't have to go out that much or you couldn't go out that much depending where you were and um yeah and it was a little bit weird because sometimes we we had a routine to go out of the house right or we had a routine to meet in person right and when your face is covered, right? Like, oh, maybe you didn't have to shower today. Maybe, you know, like, maybe, yeah, maybe flossing your teeth is not that important anymore. <laughs> but, I mean, not, not not, that I have terrible teeth. Like, I, I do brush my teeth. Your teeth, look, your teeth look wonderful on video here yeah, for me, like, for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, for the listeners. Don't think that I'm disgusting. <laughs> I just don't floss my teeth. No, but it, it no, but it's true. And I think, I mean, I, I, I would, I'm sure more than half the people listening can relate to not adhering to a perfect flossing habit. I think it's a really good example of one. And I mean, the whole point is once you have the floss all wound up on your fingers and you've got it, got it in the tooth for that one tooth. Yeah, if your phone rings and you pick it up, you should feel okay that you walk, you just floss one tooth. But if nothing else interrupts you, you're likely going to floss all of your teeth. And that's kind of the whole point. But I think that you're, I mean, that's why we feel like it pairs so nicely with what we do at Shelfful too. Is And so with the opportunity to actually talk in, personally with Dr. BJ Fogg, you know, he is a big proponent of accountability partners. And the main thing that he requires and his research and that he has found works best is it, that it's positive support, that the shame game doesn't work. So shaming someone about just doing one tooth or not doing any teeth, it just doesn't work. So that if you can allow someone to celebrate those small wins and figure out a way to do it next time, because streaks actually aren't a concept that is proven in his research either, that you can actually miss a few days. And, you know, this, you know, biggest behavioral science expert on habits will tell you that that doesn't mean that you don't get to keep your habit. You can miss a day and come back the next day. You don't have to fall into the shame spiral. And you asked how habits, my own personal experience with it, that's been the biggest transformation for me, Angie, and and starting Shelfful and then becoming this habit expert (laughs) through just 
the hyper-focus I had and geeking out and talking to a lot of experts has been, has allowed me to escape from that shame spiral that I really lived in. Like I lived in this shame spiral of like, why didn't I get that thing done for myself? I suck. Okay. Well, I just suck. That's the reality moving on. And I would just kind of live there and being able to acknowledge that the smallest version of whatever the thing I'm trying to do is enough. If that's all that that day allows is, has been huge for me as a person, as a person, as a mom, as someone with ADHD, who that often kind of can't understand why I can't do the full thing. And then having a hype person, having my own shelper who validates that and who repeats that to me, you did something. Oh my gosh, you got so much done today. You had a million things thrown at you. The fact that you didn't get 10 things checked off and you just got eight things checked off. You should feel great about that. It's important. It's important to have somebody like that who can, who really gets a big charge out of hyping you up and letting you know that you are enough and you did enough and that that's okay for today. And I love what you're saying, because even though that research after research says that positive reinforcement works better with humans, not all coaches work with that uh, mentality. Sometimes they, they think that tough love or shame, you know, like could help. And I'm just remembering, um, you know, through all the coaches that I've had, which one have elated more, more, more change in myself and is, yeah, definitely positive reinforcement keeps working much better. And I think shame is such a good topic because as women, um, in a masculine, uh, you know, men dominated field like tech, right? Like there could be like some shame of, oh, you know, like you're pursuing your career in a certain way um, and you're leaving, you know, maybe, I don't know, your dog, your ch- your children or something, you know, like, or the typical, what a typical feminine um, job uh, would look like, right? Like uh, it's quite interesting. Um the topic of shame in founders and and how removing that actually would make you a better founder and better, not better, but um, towards the identity that you want to form. I think that's right. I think that, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. I think that women, especially, I think have a lot, often can have a caregiver personality. And so I at least know that when somebody, if I hear somebody else going through something like that or kind of talking down on themselves because they didn't get everything done, I'm the first to interject and say, no, you're amazing. You did everything. Like here's, here's 20 reasons why you should feel great. But very rarely would I have done that for myself. And I still struggle to do that. And I'm certainly not cured of it. I think that, um, but I, I think that as, as founders, because especially of a startup, um, women in tech in general, if you're in a leadership role or you're, you're running a startup, there's isolation in that, right? So for me, I, I knew I wanted a co-founder. I was lucky enough that one of my long best friends, um, we always say she pushed me off the cliff and I pulled her with me. She started this with me um, very soon after I had come up with the idea, like by week two, she was in the ship with me, which has been amazing. So in terms of the the solitude, I've had less of it because we can pull each other up, but you don't, I think that there's a lot to anything that goes wrong is your fault. (laughs) You know, as a founder, like it's very easy to just take everything on yourself. If things aren't 
growing the way you want them to, or things go wrong, it, you take it right to the chest. And so I think that there's a even higher need as a, as a woman leading in tech or as a founder in tech to, to give yourself credit for things that you did right. And to have somebody in your corner, whether it's someone you in your life or a community of people or someone you hire like a shelper to be able to remind you on a daily and hourly basis sometimes that you did a lot of crap and you deserve credit for it. Yeah, they are awesome. And (laughs) you can keep going. Awesome. I really like this. So let's move to, to the quick fire question part of our podcast. And, and I mean, there's so much more that we could explore and we can talk about for hours about, you know, like, because the research that, you know, shelfful space is based on uh, BJ's fog um, research. And that's the same research that Atomic have it later, the book and the movement that became um, it, it was initially based or, or highly quoted, um, right? Like on the research from BJ Fogg. And I really admire him, like been following that for, for years. But yeah, so let's move to the quick fire questions. Uh, a, a favorite book that you have? I would like, what's your favorite book? Yeah, I love to read fiction. So I'd love, I, I feel like as on the Women in Tech podcast, I probably should be giving some business book. Um, but I, fiction's what makes me happy. So I feel like A, a Tree Grows in Brooklyn is probably my favorite book. Nice. Uh, do you have a, yeah. And sometimes, you know, picking a favorite, it's quite hard. So favorite or latest this is what I do. You know, like um, favorite podcast or latest. I feel like Huberman Huber, Huberman Lab is the one I've been listening to a lot lately. They're really really long and heavy podcasts, but they're he's just so brilliant and it just makes your mind spin. Mm, nice. I haven't heard of that, so that's a new for me. Yeah, he's a Stanford professor. He's like a a, a professor of neurology, I think. Um, and so he kind of goes into like the brain science behind a lot of things. Um, like if you if you're into habits and stuff, I think you'd love it because it 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 definitely touches on those types of topics as well. Oh my God. I'm, I'm so into that. Like you have to send me, you know, like the, the links and stuff for that later, because that sounds like really interesting. Anything that is neuroscience and stuff like it's, it's my jam. I'm sure a lot of listeners that love habits will also appreciate that. What's your best resource for tech or something in that is a tech app or something that you cannot live without. Like, it's like every day I use this. That's a good one. I'm such a, I'm such a product resource person. I like have a million things. I would say Airtable is one of my favorite things. It's like a spreadsheet on crack. Um, Zapier is another favorite thing. It just connects everything to everything else. So it's kind of like you can connect when I get an email about this, have it do this in Slack. Or when I get a Slack message about this, have it do this in a spreadsheet. Um, so I feel like anything that saves me like a millisecond, I am I go nuts for. Yeah, nice. And do you have a hobby right now? A hobby? Oh, gosh. I think my hobby probably is just hanging out with my kids. I feel like as a startup founder, I, I've got, I definitely am a hobbyist. I've gone through a lot of different things from like 
knitting to crochet to cross stitch to all these like grandma hobbies. But I feel like in my spare time, just hanging out with my kids is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever their hobbies also become your, your like your hobbies is like they like soccer. Oh, yeah. Like, like watercolor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watercolor painting is something my son likes and I'm thrilled he does because I could do it all day long. <laughs> That's so fun. That's great. A woman in tech who inspires you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I feel like, so I used to work at Y Combinator, um, which is like kind of the Harvard for startups, right? Um, so I, there are so many women at Y Combinator, not even just to count the female founders that have gone through Y Combinator, which are countless and wonderful. Um, but I would say like Kat Mignolik, who's a partner at Y Combinator. Um, and I feel like I'd want to name the other ones because I think they're kind of the unsung heroes. Kirstie Nathu, Carolyn Levy, um, and Jessica Livingston. These are partners at Y Combinator who have changed how things work at that company and have brought in countless female founders and helped lift them up. And they're incredible women. And I was so happy to have worked with them. Yes, that's amazing. So I want to know how we can stay in touch with you, with help, with Shelpful. You mentioned a course. I don't know, like how how can our sub- community support you and how can we stay in touch? Oh, yes. Um, well, we are on social. Our handle is at Shelpful. So we're really active on TikTok and have been growing that a lot lately, just giving giving like habit ideas and sharing like things that I, you know, I'll share things that my shelper kind of made me do that day, like take a walk when my kid was really sick with the flu, all that stuff. We're on Instagram. And then the course you mentioned is at Shelpful.com. That's Shelpful is S-H-E-L-P-F-U-L.com slash kickstart. That's where we have our course that we teach a live workshop or you can you can buy a recorded course to learn kind of, if you don't feel like reading Tiny Habits, you should read Tiny Habits. It's a great book, but we teach you the core methodology in that course. And so that would be helpful if that's something you're interested in. Um, and obviously if you want to use Shelpful, we have a free three-day trial um, so you can sign up and get paired with a shelper and get some help. And um, we'd love to have you. Yes. So is that U.S. only? Um, is it still U.S. only? It is. Mm-hmm. It's okay. U.S. and Canada. We do have some members who um, have like Google Voice or Vonage, like if they do a lot of work or have hours that are with the U.S. But all of our shelpers are in the U.S. We look forward to expanding at some point, but it's over text message and it's in the U.S. right now and Canada. Perfect. So, you know, like all the listeners out there in the U.S. and Canada, you can try Shelfful and get kicked, you know, like it's starting one of those habits that you probably have been procrastinating like myself. <laughs> so. Right. And if you if you're listening and you're in a different country and you're really interested, send us a message because when we expand, we are looking at, we have this long list of people who've requested it in different countries, which has been amazing. And that's the list we will look at when we when we expand because we want to go where the people want. Yeah. And you can try, you know, like instead of text, uh, you can talk, you can do WhatsApp or so many other messaging apps. I don't, you know, there might be a way for you to expand. Um, that's really interesting for me. Okay. Thank you so much, Sharon, for being here. It, it was amazing chatting with you about habits and shelfful and your road towards this more, you know, like intentional way to build habits and become the person that we want. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's been so great to be here. Thanks, Angie.
And thank you so much for hanging out with me and the Women in Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to womenintechbap.com. That's womenintechbap.com. Please say hello on socials at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We will see you in the next episode. Bye. Hi, this is Sharon Pope. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Shelpful. I'm based in Portland, Oregon, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.